podcast land. You have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 84. If you can believe it, before I get into too much else about what we have going on in the show today, the guest going 10 rounds, and I'm very excited about this one, Bellator featherweight contender Manny El Matador Sanchez is the latest to go 10 rounds with Rhino, so you guys stay tuned a little bit towards the end of the show for that one. Our intro and schedule is as follows. This week is a jam-packed episode, which will contain our quick recaps of Bellator's 262 co-main and main events, our full UFC 31 Vegas breakdown, Drea's world-famous drop of the night, picks for UFC Vegas 32, another banger of a Q&A session with members of the Rhino gang, gang gang, and then, like I said, I am so stoked to have Manny El Matador Sanchez, longtime Rufus Sport fighter, longtime Bellator guy, top of the top of the heap at 145. We are so stoked to have him on. I can't wait for you guys to hear that. So without any further ado, let's get our swim chunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. And before we dive right in, and I hope everyone has their swim chunks and their flippy floppies on, and before we dive right in, this is a little bit of a different show. We are actually have no, uh, we have no safety net. We are doing a full uh, show without any sort of major editing or anything going on. So, yeah, bear with us if Dre or I have a quick mistake. Don't don't jump on us too much. So let's go ahead and get into our Bellator 262 from the Mohegan Sun in uh, Connecticut. The co-main event was a heavyweight scrap between Tyrell Fortune and Matt Mitrione. This one was a quick one. Uh, really early in round one, 145, they kind of clashed together, kind of heads. Uh, Tyrell got on, so hit him with some strikes. Matt Mitrione tapped out due to strikes, submission. So Tyrell Fortune gets the TKO first, or the sub, due to strikes in the uh, first round. In the main event for the 125-pound belt, Juliana Vasquez and Denise Keelholz had a very close five-round scrap, uh, seeing Juliana getting the split decision after five in that one. So that's our quick Bellator 262 co-main and main event recap. Let's get into the meat of the matter, as we like to say around here. So UFC Vegas 31, our first prelim was Rogerio Nascimento versus Alain Baudot. This was a tale of two completely different rounds, right? Like, Baudot was landing the really hard kicks and the punches early. He looked quicker than Rodrigo. He was like 20 pounds lighter. Um it looked like it was going to go one way, and then boom, as soon as the second round hit, Rodrigo Nascimento really put the fucking pedal to the metal, was hitting Allen hard. Allen seemed to kind of fade. His energy got real low, it seemed to, was really piecing him up. Uh, heard him, put him up against the cage, landed a few more shots kind of in like in a bend, in a bent over. So not really ground and pound because they were still on the feet, but kind of in a bent over position. Rodrigo just landed tons and tons of punches in the second, got the quick TKO in two. So big win for Rodrigo Nascimento. Uh, that was at a 265 pounds. Again, I think they said he was like 350 before he got into camp. So good on him for losing all that weight. Going into the flyweights, the 125-pounders, we had Francisco That's the first one. We got Francisco Figueredo versus Malcolm Gordon. Uh, Malcolm Gordon, it almost looked like when he was going out to do, like, the fist do the, the fist bump, it almost looked like he did that and, like, kind of did, like, the, the fakie where he went immediately for a takedown or whatever, which I don't like. I think that's shitty sportsmanship. It's what it looked like to me. But from that point on, man, it was Malcolm Gordon really pushing the pace. I, you know, I, you know the... Uh, the phrase his back was against the wall was used more than one time because he had lost his previous two UFC fights. He was really looking for that win. Francisco Figueredo, everyone kind of just refers to him as Figgy's brother, but he's a very good fighter in his own right. 
and he had his moments as well. But Malcolm Gordon with the pressure and with the punches and a few good takedowns, especially in the third with all that top control, he got the clear unanimous decision in that one. The next fight was supposed to be Miles Johns versus Anderson Dos Santos, but unfortunately there was a COVID protocol uh, put into place on Anderson Dos Santos' camp the day of the fight, so that fight was pulled. So our next one, staying at 135, would be Sergey Morozov versus Khalid Taha. Uh, this one was the first one that I kicked Dre's ass on from oh our pick. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we got a body lock takedown from Sergey early. Boy, he has really strong takedowns. He's a strong guy at 135. Uh, he took his back. Uh, it was some nice back and forth in the in the second round with Taha and Morozov kind of staying on the field a little bit more. Sergey got a nice trip takedown. Had a really hard left hook in the in the third. Another takedown in the in the third for Sergey. So he got the very clear unanimous decision over Khalid Taha at 135 pounds. Moving in 115, we had Amanda Lemos versus Montserrat Ruiz. This one, we did not have to wait long for this one at all. This was a break combination landed early by Amanda Lemos. Montserrat is a very short fighter and got her kind of got herself susceptible to uh, getting pieced up from a little bit of a distance away. And man, Lemos really cracked her, kind of hurt her. She stumbled a little bit forward. And Lemos came right forward, landed another big combo. I mean, the, the straight left was really the one that did it. Dropped her, uh, hit her with a hammer fist. We're going to talk a little bit about this fight a little bit more later. I know Drea has some thoughts on it. We'll discuss it. But it definitely looked like a little bit of a quick stoppage. She was definitely hurt, but we'll get into it. So the first round TKO for Amanda Lemos over Montserrat Ruiz. Moving into 170 pounds, we had D-Rod. Daniel Rodriguez, one of my favorite fighters over the past few years, going against Preston Parsons, who was a late replacement. Uh, Parsons early, very early looked like he wanted to take the fight down. He knew that Daniel was a better Stand-up guy, it didn't work. Rodriguez chucked it off, was able to stay on the feet, and then all of the exchanges was Daniel Rodriguez from that point moving forward. That straight left really crumpled Preston. Um, Daniel got on for the GNP to finish. TKO in the first round for D-Rod. We've got a question about him later in the Rhino Gang Q&A, so stay tuned for that. Moving into 145 pounds, we had Billy Q. Billy Quarantillo versus Gabriel Benitez. Uh, Billy was insane and from the beginning of this fight on he outlanded him 50 he outlanded him 57 to 14 in round one he had a big takedown in the second he took his back he was uh choke hunting i mean he had some nice elbows so it was all billy q and then in the third round fucking gabriel out of nowhere <laughs> lands a beautiful left shot drops billy for a second though the look like the tide may have turned but Nope. Billy Q recovered very quickly. Got a takedown. Um, got the very rare finish with a TKO due to ground and pound from the back, from the back position. Uh, I think that the referee had seen Gabriel take enough punishment to the face that when Billy Q started landing those unanswered shots from the back, he decided to uh, <laughs> decided to pull the plug on that one. Moving in 185 pounds, we had Rodolfo Vieira versus Dustin Stolfus. Dustin was controlling the center of the octagon early, and then Rodolfo really started to get that jab going, and that jab was damaging. It was stiff. It was straight. It was hard. It was busting Dustin's face up. Um, in, the, in the third round, Dustin got the takedown, uh, was able to get into the submission. He got the uh, he got the RNC. It was, I mean, he is such a strong, crushing grip, right? Those guys who have this long-standing jiu-jitsu pedigree just have a different grip and a different kind of crushing power when it comes to these chokes and with for like the arm bars and things like that. So, yeah, once he got that rear naked choke slapped on, there was no way for Dustin to get out of it. Rodolfo Vieira gets the very nice submission in the third round. 
Moving to 155 pounds, we had Mateos Gamrot versus Jeremy Stevens. Which, by the way, Fight Fam, if you listened to last week's episode, a certain feature player on my show picked Jeremy Stevens, but she very smartly prior to the... (laughs) (laughs) Very smartly prior to the event, which we can confirm because she put it in the group chat. Uh, flippy floppy, which she tends to do, and went over to Gamrot winning over Jeremy Stevens, and that was the right move because an early single leg takedown for Gamrot was like a trip. Uh, got on top of Jeremy Stevens, rolled into a Kimura, got that with like a minute or so or something into the fight, be very early on. So Jeremy Stevens gets finished yet again via submission by Mateus Gamrot. Moving into the co-main event, we had Marion Renault versus the returning Misha Tate. Misha Tate had been gone for five years. I mean, that was the narrative of all things. But, man, one look at her, you saw she had really put the time and the effort into the gym, not just physically, but once she was in there, it didn't seem like there was nearly the ring rust that I was anticipating, at least for the first round, right? Like, I thought she would at least need a round to kind of get her bearings and get her angles. She didn't. The punches looked crisp. The takedowns were really hard. She had good clinch work. Um, Misha Tate, I mean, all credit to her. She looked fantastic. Marion Renault retired. You know, she uh, she had said before the fight that she was going to retire. She was hoping to go down on a whim. Anybody who can fight in the UFC at 44 years old, that's a, that's an incredible accomplishment. So uh, congratulations to her and her career, and we'll see what's next for Misha Tate moving forward. So big win via TKO in the third round for Misha Tate due to ground and pound. Moving into our main event, we had Islam Makachev versus Tiago Moises. I, I, I haven't used this one in a little while, Dre, but this one was one-way traffic. <laughs> Islam Makachev oh, was just—he was just moving forward the entire time. And Tiago Moises is a good fighter. And Tiago was on his bike; he was trying to get away. Tiago kept cutting off the cage, putting Tiago's back against the cage, uh, getting takedown after takedown. Had a nice. Um, had some nice work of ground and pound when he did get on top. Then finally, uh, you know, there was a lot of grueling clinch work, which I'm sure tired Tiago out as well. But once they got into the fourth, early takedown for Islam, took the back, got the ground and pound, rear naked choke in the fourth. So big win for Islam Makachev over Tiago Moises in the main event of UFC 31. Now, I know there wasn't a ton to choose from, Drea, but we are ready for your world-famous drop of the night. Which one did you land on for this week? Well, it was pretty tough for me to choose. There were some TKOs, but they were more like ground and pound, uh, you know, style. So the only drop that I felt I could really go with uh, comes from Amanda Limos versus Montserrat Ruiz. Um, You know, like you mentioned earlier, the fight only went 35 seconds and really everything that was thrown was all Amanda. Um, She did finish it with that, um, that left to the chin that dropped Ruiz uh, to the canvas. Amanda did land uh, another hard shot on the ground before the ref, the ref stepped in to stop it. Um, I agree. I think it was an early stoppage. I mean, she popped right back up and was ready to go, but nonetheless, uh, I'm not taking anything from Amanda Lemos uh, with that. I think she was going to, she would have win either, either way. The stuff she was landing during that 35 seconds was absolutely amazing. So uh, my Drea's drop of the night goes to, Amanda Lemos. And a very good drop of the night. And then, you know, the the bigger story that comes out of this, and you and I were texting about this a little bit earlier. I, and this has been brought up on other shows, and I've heard it, you know, brought up on the timeline before. Are referees quicker to pull the trigger in female fights than they are in male fights, right? Like, as far as stopping mm-hmm. it. 
And and I mm-hmm. think there's definitely something to that, right? Now, was there definitely an example of that last night? I don't know. I, I think so. Do you think it was because but then, of, okay. but then again, I don't know. Maybe that, but also the the shots she landed prior to that. I mean, did you see like that shin to the face? I, you could hear it, and I don't even know how she made it through that one. And that was right, you know, prior to getting caught with that um, that chin shot. But I mean, she was catching her with a lot, and I think it was only going to continue to go that way. So I don't I don't blame him per se for stopping it because it was probably going to go that way either way. But um, it was early. Yeah, it was early, and she did pop up. But when she did pop up, she was on wobbly legs, right? Oh so, yeah, she she stumbled a little. She was hurt. <laughs> she was yeah. hurt for sure. So yeah, we'll we'll get into that discussion on uh, whether females get get kind of the short end of the stick as far as being able to continue once they're hurt over their male counterparts. We'll, we'll save that debate for another day. So mm-hmm. we've got our main card picks for UFC 32. Now, this one is 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 crazy because there are uh, four fighters who we have had interviewed on the show going 10 rounds with rhino so it, so there's a lot of uh emotion going on for us right. when it comes to this card so it's the like the card, card of combat sports with rhino <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be, yeah right dude so um we'll go ahead and lead off with uh kyler phillips versus ravilon paiva i've got kyler phillips who has looked great as of mm-hmm. late i've got him uh, winning by third round TKO. What's your call on that one, feature play, Andrea? Uh, I agree. I'm going Kyler Phillips as well, but I think it's going to go the whole fight, and I'm I'm picking Phillips with the unanimous decision. All righty. Next, moving into my boys, the heavyweight division. We've got Shamil Abdurakimov versus Kyle Daukas. I've got Shamil winning by uh, second round TKO due to ground and pound. What's your call on this one? I don't know why I don't have that one on my picks. I didn't have that written down. I wonder if it changed on Tapology. We know you know how things always yeah, exactly. Things always say. So let's go ahead and move into uh Brendan Allen versus Punalihi Soriano. I've got Brendan Allen winning by unanimous decision in that one. What about you? Okay, this is crazy. I don't have that one either. I think Do you things want it? changed after you did yours because it's much different sorry i can look at it again though right now if you'd like or just uh, keep your pick and then we'll <laughs> <laughs> right so if, if if these things get switched around which they often do these will still be my picks for the show they just won't be right. on the prelims as I opposed do. to the main event All so do you have here. do you have randy costa versus adrian yanez drea drea um, what the heck I completely messed up my picks. Oh my gosh. I think you might have done that very same thing. You so, know why I did it? Because they're not on the main event. All my picks that I did are, sorry, their main card. And I didn't pick that one. But I, obviously, I'm going Randy Costa on that. I'm, I'm picking Randy Costa for that. For the first time ever in the history of the show, I will be abstaining from a pick on this one. <laughs> I can't do it. Randy Costa is two of my both. most. Yes. I love them both. But I'm going Randy Costa. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot pick on this one. I will not pick this. The first time ever, I refuse to make a pick on Randy Costa versus Adrian Yanez. I abstain. So I hope they both just really have fun. Uh, moving into <laughs> uh, moving into Macy Chason versus Aspen Ladd. 
I've got Macy Chase on beating um, beating Aspen Ladd by submission in the third due to triangle choke. So I've got Macy winning in the third by triangle choke. What about you? I have Aspen Ladd winning in round two via TKO ground and pound. Oh, so you actually have that one on your card. Awesome. Yeah, we are I back in business. They're in the main event. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're in the main card. Main card. Main card. <clears throat> All right. Excuse me. Come oh, what event. else do you... What else do you have on the main card? Go go ahead with your picks, and I can I got my, I got the uh, whole thing in front of me. So okay, Darren Elkins versus Derek Minner, mm-hmm. and I have uh, Derek Minner winning round two via submission. I too have Derek Minner winning, but I have him winning by unanimous decision because I think Darren the Damage Elkins is going to be able to move forward a lot. But I think finally Derek Minner is too fast for him, too young. Has way less miles on him, so I've got Derek Minner beating Darren the Damage or Derek Minner beating Darren the Damage Elkins by unanimous decision. What's your next one you got? Um, Macy Barber versus Miranda Maverick, and I am pulling for Maverick on this one. I think it's going to go the distance. I'm going unanimous decision for Maverick. Oh, you and I have the exact same pick on that one. Of course, we're picking Miranda Maverick. Rhino gang, gang, gang. Beating Macy Boo, Barbara Macy Boo. I've got Miranda Maverick winning by unanimous decision as well. Is am I? Are, do we have another one that you have on there that I don't have, or are we ready for the main event? Um, I do have one more that you didn't mention that Tapology is showing for the main card: Mickey Gall versus Jordan Williams. Oh, they put that on the main card again. Yes. Jeez. They, uh, All right. What it's um, right now. I'm, I'm, what do you? What do you? What's your pick on that I'm one? I'm going Jordan. Uh, Jordan Williams unanimous decision. I'm going to go Mickey Gall third round uh, triangle choke. Actually, I think third round triangle choke for Mickey Gall on that one. So we actually covered between the two of us like eight of the fives. I know. Except for the main event. We haven't talked about the main event. Right. Right, right, right. We're trying to do it right now. Yeah, I got Corey Sanhagen beating. I got Corey Sanhagen beating TJ Dillashaw by a uh, very close. Decision. I'm. I'm not going to say split, but I'm going to keep it unanimous. But I'm going Corey Sandhagen decision over TJ Dillashaw. I could see that, but I'm pulling for Corey Sandhagen to get the TKO uh, or KO. I'd love a KO, but I'm going round three TKO for Corey Sandhagen. Drea has chosen violence when it comes to Corey Sandhagen versus TJ Dillashaw, and I'm all for it. So I that is awesome. <laughs> that's more. That's more than uh, our regular main card four or five picks. We got about eight or so in there. So enjoy <laughs> the enjoy the bonus, fam. All right, so let's go ahead and do our Twitter Q and A. Our first one I know comes from our buddy Ty Fly Guy. Ty, what do you got this week, dude? Poirier and Nate Diaz were supposed to fight back in 2018. Poirier got hurt and the fight was pulled. If that fight would have gone down in 2018 who do you think would have won that fight and would you entertain the idea of that fight happening at some point in the future second part first no i don't think that i don't think that nate and dustin are in the same ballpark right now as far as where they're at with their careers so no i don't see that happening in the future first part is i think at 155 pounds whether this is 2018, 2019, 2021, or 22, I think Dustin Poirier beats Nate Diaz by decision at 155. Conversely, 
if it were to be fought at 170 pounds, I give it to Nate. I think Nate's size would translate better to 170 than Dustin's would. I think Nate's length would be, um, I think the speed advantage was Dustin. So again, 155 pounds, I go Dustin Poirier all day. 170 pounds, I got Nate Diaz in that one. So I kind of have two different answers for the same question. So, dude, um, I think it's a good thing that they're probably not ever going to fight because there's so many of us who are huge fans of both guys. Right? We don't want to see that at all, dude. So, yeah, right. dude, that's my answer on that one. So, Ty Fly Guy, thank you very much, homie. Uh, Dre, I know our next one comes from our dear friend, the Raging Sweet Potato, RSP. What do you got this week, dude? Boxing and MMA share some common rules, such as no growing strikes or headbutts, but they also have their own sport-specific rule sets. If you could bring one rule from boxing into MMA and one rule from MMA into boxing, what would they be and why? <clears throat> so this is funny. So the MMA to boxing rule would be the ability to open hand strike. They are very... I don't know, strickler, big sticklers about sticklers, not stricklers. <laughs> I made strictly and stickler one word. So they're very big <laughs> sticklers for, yeah, well, whatever. I should make up a new word. Uh, <laughs> they, they're very specific about making sure your, your hands are closed in boxing. You cannot hit with the palm. You cannot hit with the lower part of the wrist. I mean, they're very uh, strict about that. Whereas in MMA, obviously you can open hand strike, you can palm strike, you can do all that. I think, I don't think people would use that as like a main weapon in boxing uh, because what are you going to do? You're going to hurt your own hand, right? I mean, that's it's stupid. But when it does happen, you shouldn't get penalized for it. Like, whatever, you know, if it just happens in the heat of the moment, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, I would have liked to have used the palm strike like when you're clinched up. Because that would have been kind of a shorter distance where you could do more damage. Yeah, you're going to hurt your hand, but it's going to do some damage to your opponent as well. So I would have liked the ability to have the open hand strikes, even with the boxing gloves on, from MMA to boxing. Now, this is the one that I think is going to irk some people. And I know I don't normally, I'm not really like the the man you think of when you think of controversy, right? <laughs> this is definitely one that might irk some people. So boxing to MMA, here's this. I think I'd like to see... The clinching against the cage, uh, the time before they get separated, cut way down. I think a lot of times they are fighting, and there are lots of people who do a great job against the cage with continuing offense. I think of Kamaru Usman. I think back to Randy Couture. When you have somebody pressed up against the cage and you're still being active and doing damage, that's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about when guys or girls are pushed up against the cage and they literally are just pressed there for 30, 40, 50, 60 seconds and nothing is going on. They are not fighting per se. They are not trying to advance. They are not trying to create offense. They're not trying to do damage. They are resting, right? Particularly in your third, fourth, fifth rounds, right? When somebody's clinching against the cage, they are resting. And I really, I think it would be conducive and make the sport better if, you know, at the referee's discretion, that they would separate them quicker. You know, get 20 or 30 seconds, man. If nothing's going on, yep, break them apart. You know what I mean? Let's go. Let's get back to it. Let's get in the middle and let's let's start going again. So, yeah, for me, that would be kind of an implement, implementation of in boxing, you're not allowed to clinch. You know, they, they clinch for like a second or two and then they say break. It would be that, but just extended up against the cage. So I know that may tick off some purists as far as, <laughs> no, they're against the cage. They, they, they're fighting. They're fighting. And yes, they are. But I'm talking about more when they are resting and not nothing's happening and no, there's no improvement in position or damage being done. So that's my answer on that one, RSP. Thank you so much, my homie. 
All right, Drea, we got Dean Dog next, our Harley riding homie, Dean Dog. What do you got this week, brother? Who would you rather want to see Tony Ferguson fight? Dan Hooker or Conor McGregor? Oh, dude, Conor all day. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that'd be a really fun fight. And more like at this stage of their career skill level is a lot closer, is a lot closer than I think where hooker and tony are right now um i think it's a more appropriate fight in the you know on the grand scheme of things i actually love that matchup but we'll see if that could ever happen because you know there's so many questions up in the air about connor is he going to be able to return is he gonna be able to be you know get back to be able to compete at a high level um is his leg going to hold up during training like these are all questions that we just don't know the answer to but if like if like we're fantasy booking right now right where that's not part of it yeah i would love to see connor versus tony you know the lead-up would be a lot of fun and i think actually i was just gonna say the lead-up would be absolutely hilarious sure i mean you talk about these two guys and it doesn't get much more (laughs) crazy as far as what they have to say on the on the the microphone right um but i think again i think it'd be an interesting fight i think it would take place mostly on the feet tony's creative elbows spinny shit knees kicks and uh connor's hard left left shot uh i think that could that could be an interesting matchup so yeah if that does come to fruition down the road i think that'd be a fun one and i think i think hooker is is too far ahead of tony at least right now uh he's so much younger and he's kind of still in his prime right um so yeah that's my answer on that one so great question d dog hope you get the two uh hope you get out to uh ride the harley today my man all right i know our fourth one comes from our homie brian from the home and sale brian what do you got this week dude besides the main event What's a fight you're really looking forward to watching at UFC Vegas 32? Well, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Like, I'm excited for a lot of the fights on this card. Um, But one, besides the main event, I got it really sticks out for me is Miranda Fear the Maverick versus Macy Boo. Barbara Macy Boo. I think (laughs) our girl Miranda is going to steal the show. I think she's going to show how much she has leveled up in training, both in the striking and in the grappling, uh, pretty much in all facets of her game. Um, We are no fans of Macy Barber over here at CSWR. We love Miranda Maverick. So we, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Miranda Maverick uh, showing the world what she can do in there against her. She's a good opponent. I mean, take nothing away from Macy is a skilled fighter. And I think Miranda is going to look great. I think she's going to win. And that's my answer on that one. So thank you very much, Brian. All right, we're going to go ahead and get into our voice questions, Drea. So I know our first one comes from the homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got this week, brother? What's up, Rhino? This is Raspy Juice with the Friendly Sparring Podcast. I want to know, if you were suddenly given, uh, let's say, a grant or um, partnered with an investor who wanted to start a, a local regional MMA promotion and said you'll be the sort of the Dana White character or, or sort of at the helm of, of planning everything combat sports or you want it boxing only MMA only a mix of the two sort of how Bellator has the kickboxing and they integrate it with the MMA or, or 1FC what are some things you'd like to implement as far as policies regulations etc and are there any up and comers you'd like to sign Get at me. Oh, buddy, I am so for this. Yes, I would love to have the first, what I think would be the first promotion that would have not only pro MMA, pro kickboxing, pro boxing, pro Muay Thai, and pro combat jiu-jitsu out on the same night. Uh, Probably like two of each one for about like a 10-fight pro card. 
<clears throat> for true combat sports fans and hardcores, this would be like combat sports Valhalla, dude. We would have all of them represented. I would definitely want to keep it small and cater to those fans. So I could never afford to pay any like big names. So I couldn't really like give you names. I'd want to start that promotion with. I would kind of scour the internet to try to find like some good up and coming fighters to make my roster out of these like young, hungry upstarts who are ready to come in and make names for themselves. And I would also in all of those disciplines, but I would also like it to be like, have it at like 250 person, like VFW halls and like small venues where just like the hardest of the hardcore fans of combat sports would be there. And they'd all be knowledgeable and there would be no woo in between things. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would just, I would love something like an environment like that. That'd be so fun and cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely what I would do. So again, I would love to have Pro MMA, kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai, and combat jiu-jitsu all on the same card. That would be fucking phenomenal. So great question, Juice. Thank you very much, my dude. All righty. Moving into our girl, Gina, from the Shots Fired and Wocast Pods. Gina, what do you got this week, my friend? Hey, Rhino, what's good? It's just Gina MMA from the Wocast and Shots Fired. Let's talk Misha Tate. I don't think Misha Tate can beat Amanda Nunes even though her performance last night was vintage Misha Tate with a mean-ass jab and some nice striking. I loved every second of it. However, I think someone can beat her before she gets to Amanda Nunes. Do you agree with me? And if you do, who do you think is the fighter that's going to give her a hard time before she even gets to Amanda? Okay. Love you. Love the show. And I can't wait for you to answer. Oh, yes, a thousand percent. I agree with you on this one. In no way do I want to diminish Misha's performance last night. She looked great, not just for having five years off, but just in general, she looked great. It was incredible. Uh, that being said, I don't see her getting all the way to the mountaintop of 135 and fighting Amanda. Here are a couple fighters at 135 who I think beat her if and when they fight. First one, Macy Chase on, especially if she gets by Aspen Ladd, which I think she will. Uh, next week. I believe Macy's jiu-jitsu is so explosive and slick that Misha's wrestling is her best part of her game. And I do think Misha could take her down. But I think once they were down there, I think Macy is so long and she has such a great uh, dexterity with her limbs and she has such great jiu-jitsu and submission hunting. I would absolutely give Macy the advantage if her and Misha were to fight. And the other one is um, Irina Aldana. Her, her explosiveness and the striking and the pace that she can keep not provided. I don't want to keep talking shit about her, right? Provided that she makes weight. You know, if, if people miss weight one time, I can kind of give them a pass. It's the it's the multiple time people that I really have a problem with. And I think that's the first time she's missed, I think. So it's provided that she can make weight. I think she could actually has the potential to finish Misha uh, with the striking because her striking is really good and she seems to only be getting better as time wears on so yeah so macy chase on and arena aldana i think would both be two big roadblocks for misha on the way they're trying to uh get amanda for the 135 pound title so gina that was a wonderful question if you guys haven't already of course check out gina on shots fired and the woke ass pod she is outstanding and they're wonderful shows and she is awesome all right our third question comes from the big homie timasoon the og Jim, what do you got this week, brother? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and Rhino again. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, sorry, this is late. Fucking it's a travel day for me, so we're back in the road. But um, my question for you this week is, uh, what is next for D-Rod? Fucking guy looked amazing last night. And uh, 
I really like this kid. Fucking like his attitude, like everything about him. Love the way he fights. But uh, that's my question for you this week, man. Keep up the great work. You know, we love the show. And you know it's always 420, kid. Hey. <laughs> so, okay. I, next for D-Rod, dude. I, I, first of all, we talked about it earlier. I really like him. I think he has really come on in the last few years as somebody who kind of flies under the radar, right, because of his personality. But he is a fantastic fighter. So he's already got wins over guys like Mike Perry, Dwight Grant, Tim the Dirty Bird Means. He's 15-2 and two now. I think he's ready to step up some at welterweight, but not like a huge jump, right, because he did lose a decision to Nicholas Dalby uh, last November. But I'm thinking someone like Michelle Pajeda, right? Like, they're both coming off nice wins. They're close to each other in the rankings. They're a similar size because they're both pretty big for 170, right? So I think D-Rod is like... He's so cool under pressure, and he sticks to his game plan. I don't think you would get rattled by all of Michelle Pajeda's craziness, right? All the spinny shit and the flippy shit. I don't think that would bother D or D Rod at all. And I think it would be a really fun fight. So yeah, I'm, if I get to choose, if I get to put the Sean Shelby hat on, I'm going next for D Rod. I'm going Michelle Pajeda, dude, and I think that'd be a really fun one. So Jim Asun, great question, my brother. We appreciate you. Uh, sticking with our homies from up north in Canada, Drea, we've got D-Crons. D-Crons, what do you got this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, what's going on, brother? Oh, man, that was so sweet seeing uh, Misha come back like that. I absolutely love Cupcake. She looked great. I'm glad she's doing well. It's so nice to see her back. Uh, I was going to ask you about Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens and what's next for him. Uh, his last six fights, there's been five losses and one no contest, I believe. Uh, he can be a real exciting fighter, but I, you know, I just wondered what you think the UFC is going to do and what his next move should be. I uh, love you guys. Can't wait to listen to the show. Rhino Gang Gang. Yeah, dude, he's lost five in a row, plus the no contest with Yair. So e even though he can be a very exciting fighter and he's got a shot against... You know, some guys who are ranked above him. I think he needs to be cut. I think Dana really likes him. Um, I think they've had a long history together, obviously. Dana's even done some shit behind the scenes to help this guy out. I just, I don't understand how you can claim to have the number one, best of the best, best talent in the world, you know, mixed martial arts promotion if you have a guy who has lost this many in a row um, and hasn't looked good doing it on a few occasions. So, yeah, I think... I think it's time for Jeremy Stevens to go. I really do. Um, I don't. I don't have any you know ill will towards the guy, but I do think that it's time for him to be ousted from the UFC and find his out of the remainder of his career somewhere else. So that's my call on that one, D. Crons. Thank you so much, my dude. Andrea, you and I both picked pretty well last night. Like we both we went did. eight and two. We both went eight and two, but D. Crons actually beat both of us because he said he went nine and one. So I don't know which one he got wrong, but shout out to you, D. Crons, for out picking the CSWR crew this week. Okay, Fight Fam, let's go ahead and get into our Bellator 145-pound contender interview with Manny the El Matador Sanchez. Ready for a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom? or an end table for the family room. We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. 
Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves another fantastic guest going on this week, going 10 rounds with Rhino. You know him from the Bellator featherweight division, a man who is the top of the top of the top of the list over there at Bellator 145. We've got Emmanuel Almatador Sanchez. Manny, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Thank you for having me on right now. Oh, dude, we are super stoked. I've been following your career for a long time. We are absolutely pumped to have you on today. So, dude, when we started 10 rounds of Rhino, round one is always the same. We love to hear the backstory. Everybody loves to hear the origin story. How did El Matador first get in this wacky world of MMA, dude? Uh, just a kid who was growing up from the Midwest, come from humble beginnings, and just uh, had the hunger and desire to be a world champion. And just saw the greats like Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, BJ Penn, George St. Pierre. And I just uh, would watch those guys on end, man, uh, DVR all, the, all their fights. And that's how I first started. Before I even set foot in the gym, I just watched so much MMA, and I said, this is what I want to do, and that's what I want to be like. I want to be a world champion. Hell yeah, dude. So your next opportunity to keep that dream moving forward is July 31st. That's your next scrap for Bellator 263 on Showtime. Uh, How are you feeling, man? How's camp going and everything? Two weeks away, I'm just ready to rock and roll and take care of business. You know, I... uh, I mean, going in the head, we're already speaking. I was not able to capture what I wanted in this Grand Prix, but now it's a whole new chapter and a whole new road now, and we're still chasing greatness. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, at 20 and 5, you're an absolute veteran of MMA, dude. You fought the absolute best of the best of Bellator's featherweight division over a lot of years. I, I know this is your latest training camp, and you've had dozens and dozens of them, right? But in this latest training camp, what part of your game or what aspect of your game do you think you've sharpened up the most from your last fight to this camp? Uh, just in each and every fight, my mind, the fight IQ and my mind, uh, because physically one could always obviously learn and grow and work on things. Any fighter, I'm sure, can attest to that, saying they want to get bigger, they want to get faster, they want to get stronger, uh, uh, more flexible, or working on their striking or their grappling, etc., whatever. I'm 13 years in the game, 10 years of a professional this year, so I know it's it's the evolution in my mind and the experience that I have and bring to the table for how long I've been doing this. It's still the passion and hunger and desire, as I aforementioned, is still the same knowing that I'm just growing. So being able to use 
my mind as well as my body and being able to take it to these other guys that I see in this division, you know, in the top 10 going in with this opponent that I have, I know it's what gives me an edge and this would motivates me because I know how much of these guys, I'm sure I know everyone, they want to beat me. So I know I'm going to have the, you know, I have this target on my back, but they don't realize is that they're my targets too. I look all at all right. the other guys as one of as being one of the best too. And I want to consider myself as one of the best. So I need to clean out the division to do so. And seeing his, he's one of the top 10, then this is exactly what I'm going out to go do. Dude, that's a perfect segue to my next question, Mandy. So you've got Mads Burnell next 15 and three fighting out of Denmark, lots of submission wins, specifically chokes. His sub defense. I mean, you've been around long enough and you were very slick on the ground yourself, but his sub defense been kind of a focal point of this training camp or is it just business as usual sharpen up all the tools business as usual and sharpening up all the tools i looking at who he's beat and who he's fought uh great fighters and uh some great performances as well too and i've seen the, his style and what he brings to the table and I, I like this fight a lot uh when they gave me the name and i started watching him and i mean even before i think he was in the top 10 or even just signed to Bellator. I, I pay attention to everyone, man, because I've always known since the beginning of my my Bellator tenure, you know, being signed and on the roster, that at any given moment I could be given the opportunity to fight any of these guys that I'm watching. So uh, just staying hungry, staying humble, and always staying ready to rumble. So I, nah. know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, sooner or later I'm gonna cross paths with any of these guys. So here we are. It's coming sooner rather than later. Yeah, homie, I think I don't think many people realize that because we've been seeing you for so long, like really, you've been on TV for over a decade. I mean, you have been one of the top names uh, of Bellator, not just in your division, but just the overall. Obviously, you come from a huge camp where there's a lot of lights on eyes on it. So people don't maybe realize you're only 30 years old. Um, you know, cause you've been around for a long time and you're a veteran of the sport, but you're still a very young man. Uh, do you see yourself doing MMA professionally for as long as you are feeling healthy? Like whether that's another five, 10 years, whatever it is, do you see it as long as you're feeling good and feeling healthy and feeling sharp? Do you feel like this is going to be what you do for the foreseeable future? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, until I accomplish and what do I want to accomplish? And of course there's other goals as well outside of fighting too. And I don't just mean like other things, I mean, one would want to accomplish. I'm saying more so as, you know, collecting as much uh, cheese as you can and then be ready to drop the mic, you know, retire uh, comfortably and well, you know. But um, thank God, man, I've been in this, you know, like I was saying, this sport for 13 years now and I've only had one surgery. I've only needed ever to pull out of one fight. And uh, Thankfully, my body's uh, been held up and strong throughout this entire process uh, and this road. And I'm just grateful for it all, man, for all the bumps and bruises and everything that I've had to endure and deal with. I'm still young and I'm still strong and I'm still going hard. So uh, I'm going to go as long as I can, man, to the wheels fall off. But I, I definitely know that, yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I train with younger guys in the come up right now that, this is more so their 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 time too as it's 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 rising. But I still know who I am, and how developed I am, and what I've accomplished and what I've achieved. But until I, uh, it, for me, I, I know it's a personal thing and like goal and set in mind. 
as well, too. Being intelligent because, you know, some guys stick around longer than they should. Some of the legends that you see or some people, sometimes they take fights, you know, and in boxing, you've seen it, too, sometimes just for the money or super fights, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, for example, like Khabib and George St. Pierre, that talk, I'm glad that neither one of them, you know, want to do that they are you know tarnish their their legacy and what they've done right i want to leave something good behind and once it's done yeah man it's done and i know i still always be involved in martial arts oh for sure dude so we talked about a little bit earlier about how long your longevity even though you're still such a young guy uh your first amateur fight was way back in 2010 dude so you're obviously well over a decade into the game if you could go back to that night because i think about this for myself manny because if I could go back, you know, my last pro fight was in 2018, but my first Amy was in 06. I wish I could have had some sort of way to go back and tell the kid in 2006 who was just starting his amateur, give him some advice. You know what I mean? Give him some advice, not about life, just specific about fighting. Um, if you could go back and talk to 2010 El Matador getting ready to make his Amy debut, just from like a fighting standpoint, what would you tell you before your first amateur fight? Uh, for my first amateur is actually, oh, eight. I've been fighting since I was 18. Uh, I just don't have a lot of them on any of the sure dogs or all the topologies or anything. I got you. Yeah. Some of the MMA websites because, uh, MMA wasn't sanctioned in Wisconsin yet at the time. So some of my fights that I've been in Wisconsin or Illinois, um, probably were not, you know, on record, but you know, I had 10 amateur fights and I know, I don't know what other MMA websites might have, uh, my MMA, uh, or where I started at least, uh, you know, my MMA record. But, uh, man, what I could tell him is just be patient and just enjoy the road. And believe it or not, you will have everything you've ever dreamed of. And I have, man. I, I'll be 100% honest about that. Outside of being a world champion, like I said, my goal and everything that I want to have, you know, the world titles and the, the physical world title and actually having, you know, the belt and all the accomplishments and belts that I want to win, you know, look at someone like Eddie Alvarez, you know what I mean? My teammate, Anthony Pettis, yeah. and you're just collecting straps after straps, organization, organization. And, you know, obviously, you know, the paydays, that's the, that's a great thing. Yes, of course. But more than anything saying that, wow, you were the king of that organization, of that organization, you reached the pinnacle, you reached the top. That right there is like some, that's some major shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so the, well, that, for, for sure, dude. Yeah. So like for me, wanting to accomplish that, it's like knowing that like, wow, I, I've already accomplished everything outside of that. You know, having a, a, the motorcycle I want, the car that I want, I got the woman that I want, the house that I want. I mean, fighting has really given me and blessed me like so much, you know, my hard work and dedication and, you know, just being so grateful to God and staying faithful to God and hungry and humble and on the road along the way and perseverance and enduring uh, through all the just all the, the bumpy road man that is fighting but it's still just always giving your own and just never never give up man and that i still say it to this day and i still tell people to this day because that's how i know i told myself when i was 18 at then just never give up and nev never give up just an excellent up. an excellent mantra yeah an excellent mantra to go by not not just in fighting, but for everything, right? Any aspect of life. That's fantastic, bro. So one more, like, specific to MMA. You have some of the slickest triangle chokes in the game, dude. Top to bottom, start to finish. Your triangle game is incredible. 
Is that your favorite technique to pull off in the sub world? Is there a different one that maybe we don't know about that, that you actually prefer to try to get people with? Oh, no. Yeah, actually, I tell people that, too. And uh, I'm a, the kids coach at Rufus Sport MMA Academy, and I let them know, too. I'm like, kids, my favorite submission, you guys know, is the triangle shape of the pizza. You know what I mean? Whether it's, <laughs> yeah. whether it's with your legs or your arms. Thankfully, I've been blessed with very flexible legs and good hips. So when I learned the bottom game and the guard and triangles and everything, you know, this is the game off your back. I just started to some, like create something of my own, my own kind of skill set game that made me have just such a wicked triangle to be able to find it from everywhere. And then you start watching some of these other great fighters like Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira and my teammate Anthony Pettis, other guys you know like myself who's got a very scrambly and strong freestyle jiu-jitsu game right there. Uh, I, I just learned so much over the years how to perfect it. And the triangle and the rear naked choke is definitely my, my two favorite submissions. Well, you have absolutely been somebody who's been able to put that into play in the cage. You pulled off so many slick subs, mostly triangles, both arm and, you know, with your legs. And it's, it's been fascinating to watch, um, especially from for me as a, as a pure boxer, as a professional boxer, who has no flexibility, no dexterity whatsoever. <laughs> it's always so impressive to see somebody with such a slick ground game, dude. So that was really one of the first things that made me a fan, uh, besides being a Rufus Sport guy. So, dude, that's it for the MMA questions. Now, we've got a couple of non-MMA ones to, to, to get through the end of the 10 rounds, Manny. So, first of all, right now is a very exciting time for your hometown of Milwaukee. You've got the Bucks in the NBA Finals for the first time since who knows when. I think back in the... Uh, back in the 70s, I believe, maybe the early 80s. So um, does it feel different right now? Does Milwaukee have a special energy right now? Are things just feeling different in the streets right now, dude? Like the whole atmosphere, has everybody really got Bucks fever? Uh, a little bit. I'm glad I don't go like downtown or partake in that kind of stuff. I'm, uh, I'm, a, very, I'm a homebody. I just, man, I train so hard and I do so much and in investing so much in my body and my life that I just like being home. So the the craziness of people, obviously, you know, going down to watch the games or to bars, you know what I mean, and or anywhere, you know, just going downtown watching the fights together and stuff like that. Uh, I, I mean, I'm happy for it and and for the Bucks. I'm still I'm a Bulls fan till I die. Cause, you know, I'm, oh, okay, I'm okay, annoyed. fair enough. Oh, <laughs> obviously, the Bulls are nowhere in this picture right now, but right. I'm obviously happy for Milwaukee. I'm a Milwaukee resident now, so it's not about where you're from; it's where you're at. And sure, uh, sure. you know, Milwaukee's where it's where I call home now. And no, yeah, I'm happy for the deer, man. This is, uh, I hope they win it. I think that'd be huge. And I just hope there's peace in the streets. Uh, I think, I don't understand why there's so much I, violence. That's the crazy thing is that, man, I thought something like this should want to bring people together and say, hey, yeah, our team finally made it. And what a good thing for the city. And let's, you know, try to help uh, rebuild and know that, hey, yeah, man, some other kids from Milwaukee one day could play for the Bucks one day, too seeing that they could be world champions and, you know, the NBA. And on top of that, you know, yeah, damn, with the outside of the Bucks, you know, you got the Brewers as well, too. And not far, you got the Green Bay Packers. So, we, you know, I think because I, uh, I lived in Oregon for a little bit. So that, you know, being in states where they have no college, uh, no uh, professional teams, they only support the college teams. But here you have, you know, three huge professional teams in all these different organizations. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I feel like, damn, you know, seeing as the Packers have been world champs, the Brewers, I'm sure it's been a long time for them too, but, you know, still 
dominating great team and it gets crazy when there's brewer games down here and now with the bucks killing it i think it should be a positive thing and people shouldn't be getting too wild you know i mean celebrate for sure but not in a violent way i guess i got you man like i i just the reason i brought that question up is i thought about it because back in uh 2004 you know i'm from detroit my my pistons that's the last time they won and i like you i wasn't really I wasn't really headed downtown, you know, to uh, watch live, but I just enjoyed kind of seeing everybody, uh, you know, out and about and, and enjoying the, the fact that the, that the team was yeah. right. Right. I got you. Places, bro. So you know, yeah, they got like half off a of pizza or half off of <laughs> sure. to watch the games and bribe people and to hang out at their spots. So, I mean, that's something that a positive we can take from. And I'm sure some of these sushi spots now will they'll have a sushi roll named after the Bucks being world champs. So it's up they pull it up. That would be very cool. Now it's great that you just mentioned pizza and sushi, my dude, because number nine, round nine with Rhino is always the same and it's a very big fan favorite. So Manny, you have already cut weight, you've already had your fight, you've already won, you're hanging with the friends, the family, it's time to celebrate a little bit uh, after your fight, and you get to indulge in whatever food your heart desires. What are you going for, and where are you getting it from, dude? Uh, we got a couple restaurants that are here that, I man, that's just my always go-to, uh, it's just near my neighborhood, you know, uh, easy, quick drive on the motorcycle or uh, in a car, and... Sure, wonder I'm gonna even run to it, burn calories, right? It makes me feel so bad, but I got all you can eat in <laughs> uh, your motto. And I just got to uh, support the local Mexican restaurants that are here because I love me, my tacos and sopes. Uh, or just family homemade cooking, man. Because now, I mean, I, uh, I used to enjoy food a little too much in between fights, and so now I watch myself very well. And then give COVID now. You add that into it, and so it's like a lot of people were, you know, staying safer at home and practicing the social distancing. A lot of homemade meals and stuff like that, but making my own kind of plates and dishes to enjoy. Very cool, man. That's awesome. So, Manny, we've actually careened our way into the 10th round, and this is the easiest one of them all, El Matador. How can we – I mean, I'm sure – most of us already do or know, but how can we, the fans, how can people listening, how can we keep tabs on Manny El Matador Sanchez moving forward? Can you get our social media? Can you get your social media tags out there so we can help follow you along in your career and see how everything progresses uh, as we move forward? So can we just get your social medias from you, dude? Absolutely. My Instagram's at Matador Sanchez. My Twitter got hacked and it's not as big now, but uh, now it's a new one, so it's good. I mean, I started up just because people, it's how we connect now, right, in the social media age and it's time now. But right. yeah, Matador Sanchez underscore. So it's the only one. All the other good other Matador Sanchez ones were taken. Or that, it was, you know, my other one used to be El Matador, but now I'm trying to make Matador Sanchez a thing and a whole label, man, and trademark and copyright that <laughs> Get that brand going, homie. Get that brand going. Yeah, exactly. So I got, uh, and then my Facebook uh, fan book page is just Emmanuel at El Matador Sanchez. Dude, that is awesome, man. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. We've been a fan of yours forever. We were so stoked to have you on the show today, dude. You were an awesome interview, and we are very much looking forward to checking you out July 31st, uh, Bellator 263 on Showtime. Uh, we really wish you luck, man, and thank you so much again for taking the time today. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. This is Emmanuel El Matador Sanchez going 10 rounds with Rhino. 
Dude, Manny, thank you so much for taking the time today to be with us, bro. That was an awesome interview. Everybody knows I'm a big Rufus Sports guy, have been for a lot of years. Of course, I've interviewed Rafion and Jordan Griffin. You know, my gym was an affiliate of theirs for all those years. So, wow, it was really great to have you on, dude. Thank you so much for taking the time today. And we are stoked to watch your next fight, my brother. I want to give a thank you and a shout out to everybody in the forum today. We've got Ty Fly Guy. Rage of Sweet Potato, Dean Dog, the homie Juice, the big homie Jim Asood, Gina from Shots Fired in the Wocast, the homie D. Kranz. I oh, also got my boy Brian from the Home and Sale. Thank you guys all so much for being part of the forum today. Of course, to the Rhino Gang, we've got our girl Brat, our homie Miss Fight Diva, everybody in the PRG, everybody in the Rhino Gang GC. Gang, gang. <laughs> the homie Cyrus, the master of the food and the MMA and the uh, mafia and, you know, the hot pass and everything else that he is so awesome and funny for and entertaining with our boy Cyrus King. Of course, I definitely have to give a big shout out to all my homies over there at Underdog MMA, to Jillian, to Chrissy, to Monica, of course, the manager, Jason. You guys are awesome and big supports of the show. Thank you so very much. To the homies over there at Dodge Sports, we know we got Andre Ewell fighting this weekend. I am super stoked for him as well. Gang, 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 go Andre. All right, of course, to Drea, D. Reigns, the Einstein of graphic design, Dave Fretz with another fire poster for the show this week check his stuff out on twitter and instagram that's at dave frets on twitter and ig the iron set of graphic design the best of the biz of course check out our red bubble store our merch is still flying off the shelves go ahead and check it out find something cool for you to wear or to have in your cabinet to drink coffee out of which i know drea does <laughs> drea thank you so much for joining us this week you were a pleasure to have on the entire show I wanted to let everybody else know, have a wonderful week. Show kindness. Love is greater than hate. Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. Gangsta!